What up, everyone? Welcome again to another episode from my mom's garage home theater edition. Where we talk, take a movie or TV show and throw it back to you full of spoilers, thoughts, concerns, and a rating at the end. As always, this is your host, Tony, with Nikki. Hello, hello, my moviegoers. How's everybody doing today? Yes. And what's today's film, Nick? Today's film of choice is, uh, it's called... A Nightmare Alley. Well, Nightmare Alley. Yes. Uh, what really drew my attention to this movie initially is that it was directed by Guillermo del Toro, um, one of my favorite directors of all time. So just to give you a little bit of backstory, now this seems to be, I think this is a remake, to be honest with you, but yes. I got from a 1940s movie. Yes. Uh, so in so again, in the 1940s, a down-on-his-luck uh, character ends up working at a carnival where he meets a wife and husband, the way the husband was a former what's called mentalist. Yes. So that's basically somebody who has the ability to read people so well that he makes it seem like it's something supernatural. Yeah. Um, like he's a clairvoyant. Like he's a clairvoyant, yes. So um, he learns all these tricks and then ends up falling for one of the one of the girls from the carnival and then takes her to, instead of working from the carnival, he decides to take um, this newfound ability that he has and takes it to... The higher end version, higher end of New York, Chicago, Chicago. Sorry, Chicago. And Chicago elitists. Yes, where he meets, uh, uh, I believe her name is Clara Dean. Is uh, sorry, Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett's character, Lilith, um, who is a psychologist, um, and they're a, and basically they, they work together in a way to look like they to scam rich people out of money. Yes. So it's um. It's a very interesting movie. I like. I, I will say it straight off the bat, and he does not let let down when it comes to this part and any movie that I've watched him in. Um, as far as um, Guillermo, it was a gorgeous movie. Oh yeah. I mean, every cinematically. Scene, yeah, it was just such a gorgeous, beautiful movie. Um, every scene was just beautiful. Like I, I, I wish my photography was that level, like <laughs> of the way the lighting, because that's that's that neo noir, that's a noir look that I love. So. Um, and you could tell it looked like he stuck too much to the original type of story where it felt like it lingered on certain things. Like, for example, the first, uh, again, this is a spoiler full episode, guys. So just please, if yeah. you haven't watched it, pause it right here, go watch the movie, and then come back. It's on HBO Max. HBO Max, yep. Um, so um, it felt like at first, I didn't know what was going on. Like, it, you know, most stories, you already know what the story kind of is. And this one, I really didn't know what it was till almost halfway through. Yeah, because at first I didn't, you know, I know he was trying to learn things from this guy, but it didn't feel like that was the main source of the movie or yeah. like that his interest for that girl was so, you know, apparent. Right. Yeah. I really wasn't sure what it was building to for the first half, half, like, of, the movie. half of the movie. Um, So it, it was interesting. I do know that he basically starts off with him some like some type of secret. But um, I just didn't really like it really. He didn't really catch my attention. The main character didn't really get my. In the first half. Yeah. Well, not even... I, I didn't really care for him. I, I don't really care for him in any part of the movie. He was just... He wasn't somebody I just kind of felt anything for. Like, I didn't really care if he succeeded or not. Um, And the, so it, it wasn't that it made it bad. It's just I really didn't, you know... Like, the only person that caught my attention that I really liked a lot was... um, What's his name? Um, The guy from um, Green Goblin. William Defoe. William Defoe. William Defoe's character, he always like he just lit up that screen for me. Yeah. 
Especially because he always has the energy and everything like this, so it really caught my attention. Um, but again, the first half of the movie was very slow-paced, so it's something you have to kind of bear through a little bit because it is very slow burn at the beginning. But once uh, uh, once Lilith showed up, once the psychologist became part of the story, yeah, that's when it got really interesting, only because her character was so interesting. She's so methodical, so, like, you know, interesting, so intelligent. Yes. And she just played her part so well. Like, she just has this classic look to her. All right. So, mm-hmm. um, I did... Okay, so based off this movie, mm-hmm. and, and, and you touched great on the visual aspect of the movie. Yeah. But also, what I loved what Guillermo did, Toro did, is that because it was based on a book originally, mm-hmm. and they did, they did their own, uh, they, somebody did their own version of the book in, 19, in like 1941, I was reading about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what this one was that the pacing was very precise in how they wanted it. Everything was given to you at the moment that they needed to, and then the, at, at the pace that they needed to. For if it slowed it down, is because they're trying to tell you something that you need to start focusing. Because mm. there was moments on there that's foreshadowed in the future, yeah. uh, foreshadowed later in the movie. But on the essence of, and the essence of, um, Bradley Cooper's character, and I felt this movie was more like a uh, like a case study of a character, like the rise and fall of a character. Mm-hmm. So you kind of feel for him. Towards the end, you, you understand um, the, what mental capacity he's at and what he was, had to go through to get him to the point towards the end. So in the beginning of the movie, and we'll go with it, he, the opening was a, one, it was a great opening because one, I didn't know much. The only thing I knew about a movie, it was a Guillermo del Toro uh, 1940s noir movie mm. following a carny. That's all I knew. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't really meet too much to it. I saw the trailer and I tried to get, I, it was good enough for me to watch it, mm-hmm. but didn't give enough information to understand what's going on. Yeah. And to give the opening scene that you see him drag a body and then burn the house down. And then that scene itself repeats itself throughout certain, po- certain points of Bradley Cooper's life mm-hmm. in the following years in the movie that you like, there is some significance to it. And I'm like, there. There's a lot of subtle subliminal messages trying to tell you about like mm-hmm. relationship wise and everything else. And I do think William Defoe's character was great. I think Ron Perlman did amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just like Ron Perlman on screen. Yeah. And obviously Game of the Toro loves him too. Yeah. Um, even, even uh, the girl that played Bali was good. I liked her. She was, she was likable. I like the relationship between Bradley Cooper and and Molly. I think they. I felt like they had a little bit of chemistry on screen in moments. Okay. Um, but like how you said, and, and this was me. Like when I was watching this movie last night, and, and mind you, I was watching it not even late, probably like eight o'clock, nine o'clock. I started watching it, mm-hmm. and for some reason, the first half was was I was yeah, I guess I was tired, but there was times I would like snooze off and then. I have to backtrack and go back into him. Like I need to watch mm-hmm. it and, and, and it will go a little further. But the minute, the minute Lilith showed on screen, I was hooked. I was like, who is she? What is her intentions? Where is she in the story that she has to be put in an hour into the movie later? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the times they don't introduce, they'll introduce a full cast within the first like 40, 30 minutes. And then everything progresses from there. Like she didn't get introduced to like an hour in. Mm-hmm. To the movies, I'm like, where, where is she in this movie? Where the fuck yeah. is she going to be involved? And, and then she's a psychologist, and 
And the way that they they try to manipulate the elites on scamming them for money was genius. The funny thing is, is that like I, what I liked about her character was, because he even called even he even called her on it later in the movie. So just so you know, um, you know things obviously something ha- bad happens. Like he offers to share money with her in order to for him to be able to pretend to be a like a psychic to these uh these rich people. Um, but she refuses the money. So what she does not refuse is she wants him to um, do sessions with her. Do sessions with her, like so truth. And I was like, I wonder why she would rather do that than the money. And I realized if you really break down her character, if you really watch the movie from the beginning to the end of her character, it was for her, she was so psychologically like methodical. She wanted revenge. She want because at one point he goes, You I guess you're not powerful enough for me. Yeah. She wanted to like revenge on that. That was like literally the entire reason for her doing all that felt like just revenge for him saying that. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this chick is like awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow. She 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 conned the con man. Yeah, like because my favorite like that, I love that part at the end where where he's about to walk out, everything's about to go the way that I guess she had planned it. And then she goes and he goes, I love you. And he goes, Wait, hold on. Like he stopped everything. He did. he realized he was being played the entire time. Yeah, and you know, like even then, we when she got caught, she just said like, "I oversold it." <laughs> like, I loved it. It was it was good. That's what I'm saying. I liked the hustler trying to hustle. You know, like that's what I'm saying. It was more interesting when he got a somebody to to kind of match wits with. Yeah. So well, let's backtrack before we get right straight to the end and reveal the whole ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are introduced to the the one that 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 was like was a shocking moment to me. Uh-huh. That was like what the fuck, like a what the fuck moment is when um, Willem Dafoe, when Bradley Cooper first goes to the circus, was the he went to the geek show, mm-hmm. and in the geek show you, you see this man that he's like this man could survive on very few food for months at a time. He's crazy manic or whatever. And uh, he was like, let me show you. So he lets him out and they throw a chicken and he eats, bites off like the head of a chicken off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the fuck? That was a geek. That was a geek. He would, bite, he would bite the heads off a chicken. Yeah. But what's, what's, what's sad about that when you re- when it's revealed to you later mm-hmm. was with, and I was like, damn, that's so fucked up, was with Willem Dafoe explain uh, Because usually they would, they termed the geek would be, um, a carny worker that is useless. So they're devoted to talents that like could be gun done to anybody. Like mm. they're they're at the bottom of the totem pole. Mm. So they give him that job. That's what we call the geek. But the way that he determined like how he hires a geek is that he ends up picking up these these stragglers or these drunks that have homeless mm-hmm. that are have nowhere to go and he gives them morphine. He gives them morphine to get them addicted. To the point that they'll do anything for that kick. And that's how he creates his geeks. And he's yeah. like, and he was like, oh, I have a temporary job for you. Uh, I know. I, yeah. And, and, and he was like, this is, this is only temporary until we find a real geek or whatever. And that's just saying that that's who you're going to become. No, but what's crazy about that whole thing was that um, I foresaw it coming the minute, because remember the entire movie, you want to drop vocal. He goes, no. Nah. I never like I love the how she called him out. She goes, I love how you say never. 
Because if you just didn't drink, you could have just said no. You could have literally just grabbed a glass and held it and never even drank it. But you made it a pri- a point of pride to say never. I never drink. So the part at, when he was in that Hobo Little community and the guy gave him the aqua and he just took a sip, I was like, oh, man. I knew at that point he was going to become the... The geek? Yeah, because he was becoming, like, that drunk and that just wanted to, like, he was, like that desperate look. And yeah. the saddest part about that whole thing was that even though he knew what he what was this guy was about to do, he went for it. He was like, yeah, like, yes, I'm, like, he wanted that life for himself. Yeah. For, at the end? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it no, is. Saying, like you said, it was for sure. Like this guy told him how to be, how to make a geek. Yeah. Okay. No, what are you saying? No, this guy said how he was gonna make a geek. Yeah. And then at the end, where the guy literally said that same exact word verbatim. Okay. He's so like, he he he, hey. he worded it the same way that he saw. Yeah, because he said, "Hey, you know, I got some work from you. At least until we can get our own geek." Yeah. And he was like, and then Bradley Cooper looked at him because he started laughing. He goes, I'm perfect for it. Like, because he already knew he was going to basically, what he's going to do to him. And you just stole my sentence. Well, that wasn't the sentence, but that was my quote. I'm sorry, go ahead. What he was, was I was, bo- I was, mister, I was born for this. <laughs> that was your quote? That was my quote. And you stole my quote again. I like, didn't steal it. You didn't steal it. You, you, you I didn't released even know it, it again. <laughs> but mm. going back to the, and, and, and that's at the end of the movie, it looks like it was predestined. From the beginning of the movie, and we're foreshadowed that Bradley Cooper's character was going to become the geek at the end, mm-hmm. and and it's just sad to see. And then a lot of it, and I feel like that a lot of it stemmed from you get to. And there was a point in the movie that you get to see that the man that he drug out in the beginning was his dad, mm-hmm. that his dad died, and he thought his dad died of old illness, and then no, it became the fact that. Bradley Cooper killed him because that he was the reason why their mom left mm-hmm. with to be with another man. And I feel like, or from my understanding is like, I guess he has something other than the fact that, uh, keep uh, Lilith pointed out to him that he has his infatuation for a month that he wants somebody to be a lover and a mother to him, mm-hmm. or he, he, he's, he's deprived that mother figure. So he uh, gravitates to it. Yeah. But then he had this undescribable anger or resentment towards anything that would be considered a father figure. Mm-hmm. So that's why I felt that he, when he killed his dad, he killed the carny that uh, uh, that that was kind of put him under his wing and teaching him about mentalists. Yeah, because you saw him; he was like pretty much like taking him under his wing. And he, well, I mean, he was he was already messing with him like badly. Yeah, yeah, no, no. But I'm saying that he. He was coming across a little bit of a father figure as, yeah. as putting him under his wing. And then the same thing with Ezra. When he was trying to mentor, Ezra was like a little bit, give him a little bit of guidance, a little bit here. moment. I felt their relationship was getting somewhere, not intensely mm-hmm. like the Carney, but close enough that you could kind of see anything that would resemble something of a father figure, even if it's very minimal. They had this anger towards this violent anger towards so that's why he killed his dad he killed the carney and he killed uh, ezra at the end mm-hmm. and i didn't even I, I i liked his when he was doing the mentalist but i i felt that it was i liked the 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 the, the moral the moral compass that 
that the um, Molly had the whole time, even though she was really resistant, she went along with it, but she stated her her resistance to doing it. She didn't yeah. want to do it. And I love that she never, like, wavered from it. Well, she it wasn't even just her. It was, I guess it was a carny rule. Because remember, they there was a part, they, remember at uh, when he first did the show with, Oh yeah, uh, with uh, um, the um, the tarot card reader girl, yeah. the lady, and the lady. Oh, Anthony Collette. Yeah, she was amazing. She was, she was amazing. And then what happened there? Like the fact, like that lady really truly believed it, and this guy goes the first thing like, nope, you have to make sure they know it's not real. Yeah, you have to make sure it's like because it's and like like oh, but you know, but and I, and I hate I love how. People that are going after money have this justification for what they're doing, and it's a scam, which is like, oh, but I'm just giving them hope. And you saw how that hope just turned bad on everybody. Yeah. Because not even just the last guy, not even Ezra, but even the other lady, like, he's like, oh, they're going to be together in death. What does she do? They committed. They both committed suicide. The husband and wife. Well, I mean, it wasn't committed. She shot him. No, no, it was. No, it's a double, hum, a double suicide. Okay. That they killed themselves because they wanted to be with their child, their son. And that's just based on a little word that he said. And it was just crazy because, again, and I think, and I like, I, I thought it was so crazy because he looked, he looked like he already had a lot of success. Uh-huh. He looked like he had a lot of success already. So he, he could have just stayed with that and made more success. But no, instead he got greedy and like, yeah, I'm going to start the doing seances. So, I mean, like, and the guy told him, it was like, he was a believer. What was it that he told him? He said that. Um, when you start to believe that you're this thing that you're not, yeah, he said he says that it could be misused, and you thinking that's a trick, and eventually you becoming to believe your own lies mm-hmm. that you you sense your a your like God sent that you're able you have this ability in reality you don't, mm-hmm. and and it came out like that because he started at one point he knew that he was he had a little bit of the abilities because he was able to read so people so good so quickly. Mm-hmm. That he believed that he had that, but at the same time he understood that this is all an act to make money, and I think just the greed got to him to the point of his demise for him being a geek. And I think I felt like he got so many ways, so many abilities to get out. Yeah, like so many people just told could have basically like the like the the security guard, the guy who's gonna protect him, like the guy, yeah. uh, like whatever he was. I felt like if he would have just told him, like, okay, so how do I get out of it? Yeah, I think if he would have just said something like that, he would have been like, "Okay, he just, wanted, he wanted a way out." But he was like, "No, he was he was too involved that he wanted all this money." Yeah, that it got to. But here's a funny thing about it was, mm-hmm. uh, in comparison to the 1940 movies mm-hmm. uh, and the book, uh, Guillermo del Toro stayed so close to the book; it was almost identical. I think mm-hmm. the difference was in the 1940s version. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit more to add on to, to the end that was different from the book based on how the times it was. Mm. So what ultimately happens is that he becomes a geek. Yeah. And he's working on the carny, right? Mm-hmm. He's working on the carnival circuit. And then one day, Molly is working at the same carnival he is. Mm-hmm. And Molly sees him and saves him. From becoming a geek? From uh, from from bringing them back from being a geek, so he's been a geek for a while, like child, uh, uh, chopping heads, chicken mm-hmm. heads, like biting yeah, over yeah. chicken heads, and then he Molly sees him at an event, and she says, "Like, oh my god, he's the geek of this carnival." Yeah, and, and she she gets him and brings him back, like to save him, mm-hmm. 
and then and that's where it ends. Okay, so this one, this one didn't even they didn't like. It could have got further. It got no, but that's the thing. The the nineteen forty movie, forty one nineteen forty one movie, went further than the book. The book ended how the book uh, the movie ended. Yeah, and the funny thing is, it felt like an old story. Like it, I was watching, it and I was like, this feels like an old story. Like the way they tell the story, the way that everything played out, this felt like an old movie, right? Yeah. But I tell you right now, it felt like, and it also felt like an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. I felt it was super it. long. Like, I mean, I felt like, imagine if Tales from the Crypt were able to take this whole movie and turn it into what they do in half an hour. Yeah. It would have played just as well. And you know what's crazy now that, I, and I was thinking about it, mm-hmm. that if it was, it w- I don't know if I would have wanted the, the, um, I don't know if I would want if I would have wanted the 1941s version in this in this iteration, mm-hmm. just be f- just for the fact I feel like it would have done, it would have been that, um, that after she saves him, they have a relationship like Anthony Collette and her husband, that he becomes a drunk, but assisting his wife, and then it just a full circle. Some a new kid comes in mm-hmm. into play. And he gets learns all these mentalist tricks from him, and this is like a non-ending cycle. That yeah, but I like the fact that he became a geek better. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. I'm he saying he fell further. Like, he, that's what was like that's no, what but mean. that's why both movies he falls into a geek. He in both movies he yeah, became, you know, I know. Geek. But I'm saying, but like, oh, you mean like she saves him and he does that whole thing? No, he. So, so I'm saying that in in the movie, Anthony collects. Uh, I don't forget her name. I think it was Sansa. Uh huh. So she, her and her husband is that she's a performer. And he used to be a performer, but mm. he became so heavily in alcohol and not liking that aspect of being a mentalist mm. that he just assists and he just became just an all out drunk throughout the whole process. So my thing or my theory or what I think would would have could have or would shown in the 1941s is that if they would have continued that he becomes a geek mm. and then Molly comes in and saves him, then their relation dynamic is going to be the same as ending the collect and her husband. Mm-hmm. And then let's say 30 years in the future, the there's a new kid that comes along that has a dark past and he becomes friends with with uh, Bradley Cooper's character and he does the same thing. But like, hey, this this is, could be awful in the bad hands. It's like almost like a cycle repeating itself other than him being just a geek. It's just a cycle that is going to be his own demise. If somebody's going to come in, take his take what he's learned, use it against him and kill him. Mm. Or use it to their own advantage and kill him in the process. Mm. But I do love the fact that he ends up as a geek and he understands that. And then that's the only thing that I think was changed. I was reading, reading was that in the book, it says, this is what I was made for. And Guillermo de Toro says, this is what I was born for. Which are two different. If you think about it, it's really mm-hmm. two different things because I think it's a basis of nature and nurture. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that everything he's learned throughout the process ultimately cultivated to him being the geek then what Guillermo did was saying that it was inevitable he was always going to be a geek regardless of what situation he was going to be put in yeah because I think um one thing that she kept on uh, making a point about uh, um was about him not drinking right he, he said never drinks and if anything is I don't know if it was established but I feel like I I know people that don't that don't drink but I know people that don't drink for for certain reasons and way he said it was similar to the way the person I know doesn't drink because 
I felt I felt it. Like it was more like he didn't want to be like she. He made a point not to because he doesn't want to become his father. Yes. And his father, his father was just kind of like his father was the geek in a sense, right? Yeah. So his whole thing was trying to do everything he can in his power to not become his father. That's why he took a pride of not drinking. Yeah. So, but ultimately what ended up happening was that he made so many bad choices trying to avoid uh, that fate that he actually ended up, be, that ended up sealing his fate. Yeah. So that's why I think it was. It was like, like you said, the nature versus nurture, but I think that's what it was. The whole movie was him desperately trying not to be his father. And ultimately, because he tried so hard to not be his father, he became evil. It until he made him his father. Yeah. Made him to his own father. But yeah. So that's when I read that, I was like, those those two statements, even though the just the naming of the wording is different, or even just seeing the word born and made mm-hmm. creates a whole different story story arc or idea of what would have been came what came from it. My feeling is it. It was a good movie. It was great. I enjoyed it. Uh, let's go into some quotes. I'll go with my first one. I'll go first because we already said it. The second time you did it, I hate you for it, but I love you. Yeah. And mine was, Mister, I was born for this. All right. And what's your quote? My quote was, find out what they're afraid of and sell it back to them. Just don't oversell it. Ooh, that was a good one. Yeah, I was. I, I like the dynamic, the the back and forth him and um, um, him and and Cape Blanchett had. Oh yeah, like the, because I mean, it was just so interesting because again he kept on, I, I never like I never realized that like she was playing him, but she kept on, he kept on trying to basically kept on trying to make it to show that his superiority in a sense, right? Because yeah. he has this ability, and her like she was able to do just as bad. As like just like she was able to do just as good of a job as him of reading him based on the questions she would ask him. And I love breaking down everything he said. Also, you say never. You use that word a lot. Like she broke down everything he said and kind of narrowed it down to this thing where and I love how she kept on trying to get him to like lay down and close his eyes. Yeah. Because the more he laid down and the way he closed his eyes, his defenses went down. Like so he stopped trying to read her and just got into what he was saying. So, so let's get into how many Nickies you give this. Um, I'll give it a three and a half star. Three? Three and a half Nickies, yes. I'll give it four. Okay. I'll give it four Nickies. So we're like at three. It's three an acquired taste, but I think it was I think it was a beautiful movie. Storylines ran a little long, but it was an interesting story. Um, I think so, I think this movie needed a run long. You think I, so? I think so. I think I feel like the first part, even though I do like some uh, a lot of the parts with um um, this guy, the um, the actor we're talking about, William Defoe. William Defoe. I didn't feel like it needed to go that long, because ultimately, all you needed to know from the first part was uh, where he developed this technique and what he did to do it. So here's my thing with it. I I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh, can this movie be, could have been cut? Can there any be cuts, fats be cut off this movie? Of course there could be, but I felt that this the first half, even though I had to go back and review it a few times just because mm-hmm. I was tired, that it needed to. To do it to set up the second half so well. Oh. I think if they would have rushed it, like you, because you watch movies a lot. Mm-hmm. I watch movies and kind of when, when he was like, oh, talking about the geek, you kind of like, already, I already see it coming because they already showed it, his disgust for it. And then you see it, the explanation of how was it created. Mm-hmm. So you kind of like tell that it's going to happen like that. Maybe most people don't catch it that. And they're just like, oh, maybe he dies at the end or whatever. 
but I felt like it needed to, for one, it creates the relationship between him and Molly. It creates the relationship of the, the, what he learned as a carny. Cause if you would have done it in 20 minutes, you don't, you don't, you're like, Oh, he just ran. He went in there and left. He, just, he was just in and out. But there it showed that he's, it felt like he's been there for a while because the extent of their stories and how when they first got there that William Defoe was kind of defensive and on him or like more standoffish to them like being buddy buddy so you're like oh he's been there he created this relationship mm. and everything from it and then to going on to his second half of the story with Lilith and everything else with, with it so I think I think it would have if if anything it would have been cut, I think it would have been good for like a two hour, two hours, two fifty, two hours fifteen. I'm sorry, I I tend to differ only because I keep on thinking. I know Tales from the Crypt could have played it, could have done that story in thirty minutes, because they have done stories similar in to similar complication before, and they have been able to accomplish it. But was that then much dynamic? Yeah, to dude, it? I'm telling you. I don't I'm, trying know. Of, I'm trying to think of one story that was similar in a sense. Okay, so. There was one where um, about a carnival and this uh, their geek, I guess, was to this other guy had a similar thing. But his thing was that he had a mummy. Mm-hmm. So the end principle of the thing was that um, the, the, the treasure, the mummy was cursed. And the guy who was showing off the mummy as part of the act was mostly just trying to get to the treasure without incurring the curse. Yeah. So when and like and the curses that you they cut your balls off, mm-hmm. so um, and at the end basically the the geek or their like monkey person guy falls in love with the mummy and ends up cutting the balls of everybody who tried to like take them apart, mm-hmm. and that was at the end. That's how the reveal was that they're just all this bloody stuff, and the monkeys with the mm, mummy. Yes. So again, all that story thirty minutes. And they did it well. But did they do it great? They did it well. Okay. I'm just saying is like I, I think I, I, I think I, I think that I think they could have established a lot of that without the extra time. Like like the the day the first day he met Willem Dafoe and like as soon as Willem Dafoe calls him out on like, hey, you paid that fifty cents. Oh, you paid that twenty five cents because you did um You walked into the You front. walked you, you stayed and watched the geek, whatever you, whatever. Yeah. Um, that's why I took it. Like he laughed, and then you know, right then and there, he could have walked off. It was like, well, now that you're part of the team, like you're gonna ask you, how did you find the guy like that? And then he could have told that story. I think that would have been a better establishing shot to establish how that geek was made. And then you know, like I'm just saying, like I'm not saying that they did a bad job. I just think that it could have still been established in a short amount of time. Because as much willing to fall as much as I liked him, he didn't. He really wasn't a big part. He wasn't. Like, he didn't come back later on or anything like that. So, I don't know. This is me. Okay. But we'll we'll leave it at that. So, we yes, have three, 3.75 Nickies for Nightmare Alley that you can find on HBO Max. All right, guys. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to the latest episode from my mom's garage home theater edition. As always, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at from my mom's garage or email us at fmmg.podcast at gmail.com and like always tell a friend send a friend bring a friend see you next week guys later